and welcome to episode 39 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales, glad to be bringing you another episode of the show that features your original classical guitar music. If this is your first time joining me, the show is simply a show where we talk about a little guitar, we talk a little life, and we listen to original classical guitar pieces sent in by listeners. If you have something you'd like to submit for the show, you simply send an mp3 recording to chris at classicalguitarcomposers.com. It's that simple. You send me an mp3, I play your piece on the show. So I'm going to tell you about a little recent tragedy. I was uh, taking apart my shotgun the other day, and when I was finished, I noticed that my thumbnail on the right hand had a big split that it goes right down the middle and then there was like a, a chip out of either side of the center so it looked like my thumbnail is like a cloven hoof and you know it's the most like heartbreaking soul-crushing thing isn't it <laughs> it's funny because uh, when I started playing classical guitar I mean I was breaking nails all the time you know it just you're not used to it and for years whenever I broke a nail I was like annoyed but you know I just put on a fake nail you know I'm now at the point in my life where I just wait it out I, I, I'm not gonna bother with fake nails and it's not that big of a deal when you break a finger but but the thumbnail is like you break your thumbnail and you just know there goes the next three to four weeks <laughs> like you're you're a good month out before guitar playing feels normal. You're probably even more than that before before it really is where it should be. I guess everyone grows theirs to different lengths, but that's that's what I'm looking at. So it's just it sucks. But it didn't even break. It actually lasted like a week. It, it only had that split down the middle. You know, I kind of just shaped it, and I kept. Uh, I kept it stabilized with some super glue that lasted about a week, and then the other day it just was gone. Half of it was gone. I had to cut off the other half because that, that was useless. So, so I made a decision, and the decision was I'm just not going to practice guitar this week. So I haven't I haven't touched my guitar. Well, I've touched it, but like as soon as I pick it up, I start playing, and I'm like, oh yeah. So, using that opportunity to record the podcast now, but uh, that is the tragedy that has struck, and I've been in the middle of this uh, composition too, I've talked a little bit about it, but uh, you know, a new piece I'm working on, you know, it's it's probably a few months away from completion, and, and I do plan on doing a multi-movement work out of this, so I mean, it's who knows how long before... I have a complete, you know, before the next piece is complete. But I now keep a regular composition schedule, something I've never done in my life to this degree. I mean, to a certain point, I guess, when I was taking composition, I had to, I had to write, and I did, but this is, this is a little different, (laughs) because this is completely, like, relaying on self-discipline. And, you know, I carve out albeit a small amount, but I carve out some time out of the week to practice guitar, 
And then into that, I've carved a chunk out of that that's dedicated to just composing guitar music. And, but I was, before the loss of my thumbnail, I was making good progress, and I was thinking about this Mendelssohn piece. Now, not not copying the Mendelssohn piece, not nothing like that, but I took this class in college called Foreman Analysis. I'm sure many of you have taken it or have heard of it, and for me, that's right up my alley. That that's like my jam. I love music theory, and I love studying how pieces are formed and a lot of it goes over my head I mean I to be honest like I wish I could wrap my brain around it better but anyway I had this professor who I always was really fascinated by his knowledge and he had the he had this incredible talent for dissecting pieces Beyond just, I don't, I'm not talking about just like analyzing the chords and, and labeling out, you know, all that, like your standard, like paperwork type of analysis. Like this guy found meaning in pieces that I don't know if, you know, it was just him interpreting or if like this really was the case with these pieces. It doesn't matter so much that uh, he found something in pieces that I wouldn't see. And then I'd see, I'd hear the piece in a whole different way afterward. And we were, we did an analysis of one of Felix Mendelssohn's songs without words. And man, I wish I could remember which one it was off the top of my head. I, I, those are, those can be a little confusing anyway, because there's like several sets of them. And anyway, so I, I can't tell you which one it is, but he thought that the, um, piece was symbolic of love and he showed that with pointing out these two voices and this lower voice was chasing the upper voice up and down the register you know in a bit of a, a game back and forth and it 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 was very much like lovebirds right going up and then down and I'm making it sound a little simplistic and somewhat trivial I think like that's the thing I can't really replicate he would he would point things out and it would be amazing but I I can't seem to find these things myself and this was years ago so anyway I took that idea into this piece I'm writing not not like an entire thing of a a voice chasing around another voice but I liked that concept I liked the way it it sounded I was trying to write something that, like, like moving, you know, something that would move me musically, and so not not for the whole piece, but for a section of the piece, I adopted that idea and kind of created a duet, if you will. Like, so, you know, in in this guitar piece, I have this section that is very much a duet on guitar, on one guitar, and. I'm not going to tell you, like, I'm doing what Mendelssohn did. And, you know, it's not going to have that kind of an effect. I, I'm not that good. However, I tell you this just to tell you that it helped me move the piece forward. And that's... <laughs> anytime I get an insight in how I might overcome writer's block, 
even just once, I'm always like excited to share that on this show because I can only imagine that many of you experience writer's block and have to deal with it from time to time. And we all have different ways of overcoming it. My way in the past was always just wait till I feel inspired, but I've, I've found myself just wanting to be more prolific, not spending years between pieces. It's also a somewhat of a creative outlet for me. If I'm composing, I'm generally happier. You know, so composing's a little hard. I mean, even practicing, like, it, it kind of has to be the first thing of the day for me because I, I'm quickly distracted by life and I can't focus on composition once the day's going. Even if, even if nothing's going on, like the the longer we get into the day, the more I'm noticing things around the house that need my attention. You know, I'm noticing that the sink is leaking, or you know, whatever. I can't I can't do it. So I have to do this early in the morning. Anyway, while doing these uh, this duet approach, I also thought about. My daughter's piano teacher once gave her this suggestion when she was trying to memorize a piece of creating a story within the piece in your mind. And so, you know, this this piece takes you through this story and it would help her memorize it. And it did. It worked for her. And then I actually, I was like, hmm. So I, I you know, just quietly didn't say anything. But I, I tried it like with these. I remember what the two pieces were. Uh... I was working on Taroba's uh, sonata in A minor, the fantasy sonata, and I was working on Villalobos's Etude Number Eight. So I tried creating these stories, and no, I'm not going to share <laughs> what they were, but it didn't really help me, like as far as memorizing. And in fact, it became a distraction for me. I was like trying to force it, and it kind of just got in the way. I think what I get more when I like, I get imagery when I, when I play music. And so I just kind of let the imagery appear in my brain, but it's not like it's a consistent thing. I don't like see the same thing every time I play the same part of the piece or whatever, but in general, that's kind of how I respond to it. So the, it, it didn't work for me. However, adopting that idea into composing you know, music without words, but a song without words. Like, the music's trying to say something, and so I, I kind of came up with this little story, again, not really even a story, but more imagery, as I was composing this duet. And all this is, to, it's not to tell you that this made my piece better, it's to tell you that it made my piece move forward. It was a way I overcame like a stumble. Like, how do I approach this section? The piece is in sonata form. And I didn't really, well, I had a second theme. You know, I, I had my primary theme and I, I had some ideas for a second theme. And when I reached the point where I need to make this transition from the first to the second theme, I just couldn't, I couldn't find the transition and I didn't like the theme. I realized it doesn't complement the first theme. It's it's too 
it's like a different style of music almost. And so I was stuck. So this is how I overcame that. The piece is not finished. Uh, the exposition is mostly there. That's as far as I am. I've been noodling a bit with some ideas for development. But again, I share that with you just simply to tell you a way I overcame a, a writer's block moment. Writer's block might be too strong a word of what I was experiencing at the time. I've had that much worse, but, you know, a way to move the piece forward. So, hopefully this thumbnail will grow out to a, at least a tolerable length in the next few days. But, uh, most likely, like, there's just not guitar happening this week. It's kind of a bummer. I'll tell you what is happening this week, though. And I'm really excited about this. I will be getting a puppy on Friday. Today is Tuesday. It's probably going to be after Friday by the time this comes out. But as I'm sitting here speaking, it's Tuesday. And there's a puppy coming home in a few days. And I'm excited. It's a corgi. That's right. I am getting a freaking corgi. <laughs> Hey, real quick, next month I'm going to be featuring some music from Christian Heim, and I was talking to him and realized that he has sent me music before that I didn't air on the show, and that wasn't intentional. Probably back when he sent those, I was still figuring out how I was going to structure this show, but I know one thing I used to do. I was always afraid that I was going to run out of music to play, and so, like, I would say, all right, I'm going to, if someone sent me, like, several pieces, I'd say, I'll play this one now, and then I'll play, like, others later, and it certainly was not intentional to not play the rest, so in my mind, I had, and I've decided I'm going to, like, it's time to make a document and, like, create this database so I can reference what every single episode, like, what music was played, who it was by, that way I know like stuff that I have or have not repeated and and whatnot. But anyway, if it, I did the same thing to someone else too. If you've sent me music that I haven't aired on the show, uh, please let me know. I promise you, um, if I decided it wasn't meant for the show, I'd tell you. So if I didn't say, I don't want this on the show, I intend to have it on the show, but it's entirely possible there's some stuff that's been sent to me that was stowed away for later and forgotten about uh with the exception of the music of Etienne de Laveau he sent me like his entire library and so I'm pulling from that on occasion but of course there's tons of tons that I still have not aired on this show from him so we'll definitely hear more from him in the future but if if you've sent me something let me know please and i haven't played it with that i think uh it's a good time to go ahead and go on to the music i don't have a whole lot of show for you today as far as like things that i am anxious to talk about life has been pretty quiet just waiting for this puppy to come home dealing with broken nails and waiting for the sun to shine so i i sometimes like to talk about movies or Hey, I'll tell you this. There's some books I've really been digging. 
on the horror side of things. I don't know if they're like straight up horror. I wouldn't call them horror. Maybe a little more thriller slash horror slash adventure of the ones I've read. But uh, there's a movie from the 90s called The Relic. Loved it. It's a monster movie. Just just a pretty straight up monster movie. Well done. Loved the movie. And I uh, found out it was, you know, from a book. And I read the book last year. And the book was really good. I mean, the book was fantastic. It's by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. And it's called Relic. Loved it. And it's a case where, had I read this book first, I think I'd have hated that movie. Because they're they're pretty different. But the movie's great. The movie, you know, it, it, the movie's great. So, it's one where, you know, you, you could watch the movie first, and I don't think it's going to shape the way you view the book too much, because the book's just really different. So, But then, uh, the books go on, and so I've been going through them, and, uh, you know, I've been really enjoying it. I'm going to have to confess that uh, I tend to read (laughs) stuff like that most of the time these days. I used to make it a point to read, like, more nonfiction and more, like, classic literature. I used to try to get that in the mix, like, a healthy amount just to... But here's what happens. Every time I read a nonfiction book, I inevitably start some new project. (laughs) Uh, truth be told, that's how this began, and look at, and now I have to do this every month. Well, I mean, I choose to have to do this every month, but like, <laughs> I don't need any more ideas. So, I I indulge in a lot of just fictional literature. Not, a, I mean, not a lot, but I I do like to read. My friend Jeremy once described uh, like Stephen King as comfort food. <laughs> Not like, not really anything particularly profound with his writing, but it's certainly entertaining. And, uh, you know, it's kind of how I view these. I'd, I'd probably tell you I like them better than Stephen King, personally. I think they're paced very well. So, I'm digging those. If you're looking for some good thrillers slash horror, like some... If you're looking for something that like borderlines horror but you're you're afraid of like true horror you know this is something that's good in between you know it doesn't satisfy like the horror craving but uh you know it's 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 just great for what it is speaking of horror i rewatched a horror movie recently as well that i had not seen i bet I bet I hadn't seen this movie since near the time it came out. And that's I Know What You Did Last Summer. Late 90s horror. You know, it was better than I remembered. I actually really enjoyed it this time. I don't know, it's not great, but it, it's it's good. You know, it's kind of in that genre of Scream. And, you know, the, the, the movies that came out around that time. You know, there's some good ones. Scream. Urban Legend's pretty good, and I I think I Know What You Did Last Summer's a pretty good movie. I never did see the sequels. I don't have a huge interest in it, but I might try the second one. What did they do next summer? So, you know, next time you're, uh, 
having yourself a 90s themed retro night or something want to want to put on an old scary movie it's weird to say that's old but technically i think it is that's a good one that'd be a good one it's very 90s <laughs> all right how about some music let me suggest you pause the podcast and acquire an iced tea for yourself or something similar a nice comfortable seat would be preferable somewhere you can relax close your eyes and just disappear into some classical guitar today I'll be featuring music from Freya Shaw Freya has been featured on the show a few times so two or three times in the past and uh, one thing about Freya is she is visually impaired which has kind of been the catalyst for a lot of her music. Freya writes, Hello, Chris. I hope you're doing well. Thought I would share my current project with you. I'm currently coding some audio games. In the first, the player can explore different soundscapes made up of found sounds, such as flowing river, water and birds, synthesizers, and acoustic instruments. In the second, the player can explore an audio diary and listen to the diary entries in the audiobook. The diary centers around a sound recordist who travels a fictional world collecting noises. Naturally, the classical guitar plays a large role in both games. There is so much more about the game for me to share with you, but I think I'll save it until the game is in its publishing processes. The game has no interactive visuals, so both sighted and visually impaired users can play. I thought I would send you some pieces from the games. I'm so proud of these projects. I wondered if you had ever tried playing an audio-only game. If not, I can suggest some if you're interested. Thank you, Freya. Uh, in answer to that, no, I have. <laughs> I can't say I have played an audio-only game. This is the first I've ever heard of such a thing. So I do find it really interesting. I confess that interesting, but doubt I would be getting around to give it a try. And not that I don't think it's worth trying, it's just that gaming is just not really a thing I'm, I do. And, uh, you know, I certainly played video games when I was younger a lot. And now I, uh, I do, like, with my son, <laughs> like, we'll play some games sometimes. Um, I, I tend to, like, want to play old like NES games with him <laughs> and uh and he loves those so that's that's usually like the limit to what I'll do but uh yeah at some point in my life I just like stopped playing video games and I've never really gotten back into it and is that I mean maybe I'm going down the wrong track maybe this is nothing like that I don't know please do suggest some because at the very least some listeners out there might be interested. I'd certainly be interested in this one you're working on because of its somewhat connection to this show. Okay, without further ado, here are three pieces by Freya Shaw, collaborating with guitarist Ben Chalker. I don't know if they uh, necessarily have an order, so I'm going to put them in the order that seems logical to me. So this will be the Diary of a Sound Explorer theme, 
leaving the island, and ending music.
Okay, and there it is. We've just heard three pieces by Freya Shaw. Thanks, Freya. You know, there's a lot of crappy stuff going on in the world right now, and I'm not going to give you some hippie nonsense and tell you music is the answer or anything like that, but uh, I do hope that this podcast at least gave your brain something else to think about for half an hour. It did me. So thanks for sending that music in, Freya. I hope you're all doing well. I really appreciate you listening. And hey, if you're a guitarist and you like new guitar pieces, and you like supporting podcasts that you like, a great way to fulfill all of those things in your life is to get on classicalguitarcomposers.com, click on the link titled Sheet Music, and there you can purchase some of my original classical guitar pieces, and it's a great way to support the show. And for those of you who've done so already, I just want to tell you thanks. I really appreciate it. And for those of you not interested, well, no, no worries. I hope you enjoy the show. I will be back next month. (laughs) Last episode, I titled it uh, something that may have caused some confusion, saying this will be the last time. (laughs) Uh, I was trying to be, I, okay. You know what? I'm going to tell you about this real quick. The podcasting host I use, like, redid their uh, website, and it's actually, it's much nicer, but I got a little confused on formatting my show. So I usually title the show, like, uh, like by the episode number. So this should be, like, the title of this episode should just be, like, episode 39. And then I usually have, like, a subtitle because it asks for, like, I think it's, like, Apple has, like, a subtitle. And so what I've always tried to do is, like, give, um, I always try to do, like, a title that I, I attempt to be clever in referencing something that I said on the show. I don't know. So, but see, that came up as, like, the main title of the show. So the, the title of the last episode was, like, this could be the last time. Uh, well, I'm not talking about the podcast, <laughs> It was in reference to talking about the composer that we no longer speak of on the show and referencing the Rolling Stones. You know, it's the Rolling Stones song. This could be the last time. Because uh, I think I mentioned the Rolling Stones in the last episode. So, you know, it's just a... Yeah, it's stupid. But that's what that was about, in case you were wondering. As of now, I plan to keep the show going indefinitely. So, I appreciate you all listening. I look forward to next month's episode. And until then, keep on plucking.